Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm your co-host, Christopher Mukigana Harrington, joined in the easternly direction by Mr. Brandon Howard Thurston. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm good. It's a big week for WrestleNomics. We are a WrestleNomics Radio here. You are listening to the WrestleNomics Radio podcast. That's gonna, we're going to talk about. What are we going to talk about today, Chris? Um, we're going to talk about all the TV rights fees and ticket selling and secondary markets and just the economics of professional wrestling. Our favorite subject. This is the podcast that you need to listen to for for all that stuff that everybody's been talking about this week, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, um, someone. Ryan Satin's uh, podcast on Pro Wrestling Sheet referred to us as a WrestleNomics radio, talking about the deep dive of the numbers and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But they recommend us because it's definitely their type of thing, which Very we nice are. Mm-hmm. So we always appreciate when we get those kind of plugs. WrestleNomics Radio is is a weekly show where we just talk about this kind of TV rights deal stuff. It's only you know 60, 90 minutes from the free version. Then we have the Patreon version, that su- subscriber-supported premium edition of the show. Where we go much deeper on a different set of topics. And what, and, what does that cost? Like twenty dollars a month? No, no, no. Ten dollars a month? No, a flat five dollars USD a month. Five dollars a month? That's yeah, it. It's a pretty good deal. It's and a pretty you, good. And you deal. get shows weekly for that. You get t- not just shows. You get shows sometimes two or three times the length of the free show. Oh my goodness! Weekly for that. So it's a it's a good deal for you, and you get all our notes. Which personally, I think that's the most valuable thing. Is that not necessarily our opinions and our thoughts and our our words on these subjects, but seeing the source material, getting the spreadsheets, getting all that kind of stuff. It's it's very useful and interesting. So today we're going to have an awesome show where we go over two of the talks at what happened last week where um, George Berrios was at J.P. Morgan, Michelle Wilson, the other co-president, was at uh, Needham. And uh, we'll also talk a little bit more about some Japanese news that's going on with both New Japan and Corrigan Hall and some other – Michelle Wilson other and Charlotte Flair. Yes. Um, Ashley Flair, actually. She was introduced as Ashley Flair performing oh, really? as Charlotte Flair. Yes, I was oh. rereading the transcript the other day. Oh. But today we're going to talk more about um, our two big topics, Raw, SmackDown, Value, and then All In. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm excited about that. But let's talk about you, Brandon. Oh. You uh, wrestled Mr. Simon Grimm yesterday. I did. And uh, as I tweeted this morning, I put the WrestleNomics co-hosting contract periodically up for stake. Did you? Um, I just was not even aware of that. I wasn't even aware yeah. of that. Well, I, I work directly with the promoters. I don't have yeah. to work with the performers. Am I, I subject to stipulations that, that I don't uh, co-sign? 
I talked to your agent. He uh, signed off on it. He's my agent. I have an agent. Are you yeah, my agent? Unfortunately, I am. So you, however, have in because you have not been paying me my fees. I've been uh, negotiating extra terms on your your case. All right, then I'll tell your contract. When we're done recording, I'm going to give you a list of promoters that I want you to get in touch with and uh, talk to them about giving me a, a raise. So, well, I'll talk to them about giving the the Brandon Howard Thurston LLC a raise, which of which I have a stake. Okay, Are, have you uh, opened that corporation? I. It's in Bermuda, so oh. it's a it's a shell company that we've taken care of. In Bermuda, do we want to put it in Switzerland instead? No, 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 no. Okay. The, the the Caribbean islands are much better for that kind of stuff. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's where you is want to do all your shell company. Caribbean trend. island, though, isn't Bermuda's like out in the Atlantic Ocean? Well, just all those kind of islands, Antigua and and uh, just all the tax haven islands is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Well, but and but as I DM'd you this morning, if if I'm going to be regularly defending the co-hosting duties of WrestleNomics Radio, I want a WrestleNomics uh, championship belt to go along Ooh. with it. Which sprung an idea. In fact, if we have a WrestleNomics championship belt, that means then we can produce WrestleNomics championship replica belts, and we all know yeah. how popular replica belts are. And so I figured we would just add that into like a new, even higher tier of the uh, the Patreon. I love it. I love it. And then I'm trying to decide whether the, the belt would have our bull and bear logo on it or whether it would just be like a spreadsheet mm. of just current champions. Mm. Well, maybe have the big W in the center and then you can have the bull and bear like side plates. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And then, of course, the, the true true mark of a champion will be when your name is entered into the spreadsheet, not, not the holding of the belt, but the spreadsheet itself is really what's going to matter. You know what we should do? Like the side plates themselves should be like Wi Fi. They should be Wi Fi connected and they'll be just be little monitors. They'll be like little t- tiny iPads that will you know, actually be connected to a they, Google Sheet. They do sell like those little like LED things where you can yes. do like little scrolling messages. You could yes. program it so it would say the name of the person there. You yeah, know, one of our prime interests here is, are, is new media, right? So we have to incorporate that. New media branding will we'll be what it will ever, say on the side of the uh, belt there, there right now. We'll have the first ever Wi Fi connected championship belt well you know i and until nwa can beat us to the punch i think uh, i think that's an idea worth worth developing here but you know i do feel like the 10 pounds of golden led sign will be the new name of the show pretty soon mm-hmm. speaking of wrestlenomics merchandise i had a dream last night about wrestlenomics socks i was gonna ask you why the words wrestlenomics socks are at the top of the document I, for I, today i don't know because we have been talking about doing coffee mugs seriously but i did yes. have a, a dream about like i don't know i was somewhere and uh, i came across i don't know a bunch of like custom socks or something like that with with various logos and i was like oh here's the wrestlenomics socks and i was going yeah. to uh, take a picture and send it to you but since that didn't happen in real life you did not receive that message i i love the idea though i'm all about i you know i i can't remember what comedian it was Maybe like Greg Giraldo or something, but they were just talking about the idea that like bands don't make enough practical merchandise for older fans, mm-hmm. like a Weezer meeting planner mm-hmm. rather opposed to like T-shirts. Like we don't need more T-shirts. We need more things that you can wear to, to your, your day job mm-hmm. that subtly show that you're interested in, in uh, these topics. Like dentures. Like what? Dentures. Or dentures. For, for our, Denture. our, our older fan base out there. <laughs> we're not raw. We- don't have a fan base that old oh we will eventually though don't i mean yeah it's kind of were, were you were you triumphant in your simon grimm endeavor last night at ecw oh I, esw <laughs> I, I was i was it was a it was a good match uh i submitted him with an arm bar and uh it was a really good show um 
these ESW shows get uh, get tighter and tighter as far as like you know not going too long and the production's really been upgraded and I thought just about every match was a good match. And of course, because New Media Brandon wrestles there and works on, you've admitted on other shows that you work on their social media team and other elements, uh, work at the training school, work behind the scenes on other elements. Of course, that, I, can, yes. I, I can stream this event on multiple platforms. So which platform not. should no, I stream you, it on? You can't stream it on anything. Um, but we are testing. We, we, uh, we've been testing out tw- Twitch and uh, eventually uh, some of our matches do make their way to YouTube. So okay. I was asked by by the uh, the brilliant Dylan Hales if that match is going to be uh, taped, but it, it'll probably be on YouTube eventually. And our our sort of our long term goals are to to do some sort of live streaming or to to, to monetize the video product. I don't know within the next six months or so. So that should did be I happening. see an announcement that uh, Joey Ryan, the Ghost of Joey Ryan, will be wrestling Puff at an upcoming show? Was the match announced? I saw it on Twitter. Someone announced that was going to be the match, but I don't know if they were speculating. I saw that they announced Jory Ryan will be there. I, I don't know if that's official or not, but Jory Ryan will be there. The, the show okay. is named The Summer of Sleaze. Um, ah, wow. SW presents The Summer <laughs> of Sleaze, so June 20th. <laughs> what a great family-friendly environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Name your show The Summer of Sleaze. Mm-hmm. Can't wait for kids to tell their parents they're going to that one. Yeah, it's all the kids at school. I'm going to Summer of Sleaze this weekend. You know, um, we we in Rochester used to always have like Rocktoberfest and whatnot. So, Buffalo pun wrestling show that people like to use. Mm-hmm. Buff Timber. Buff Timber. I don't know. Buff Bagwell presents Buff Timber. Wow, that sounds great. You should promote that. I mean, just just that branding alone is an opportunity. I think. <laughs> I think so. I'll give it up for free though, uh, but I will take uh, some points on the back end as as a good agent should. You should probably. Uh... You know, work work on the trademark now. Yeah, get that TM in there. I have considered teaming, trademarking, Russellnomics, and yeah, uh, you probably you know, should. I, I probably should. I I will give a shout out to uh, Bix, who a long time ago told me to get the the Russellnomics Twitter handle, and I didn't use it for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And I'm very glad that I did go ahead and and get that handle because you know every now and then you know like there was that guy who started up a YouTube channel out of nowhere and it was called like yeah. Russell Knox and people who were like hey you're you're gonna do YouTube stuff and I was like no no that wasn't my plan and then this guy was like what I was just like yeah you didn't do a single like Google search ahead of time to see if anyone else was using this name but uh, okay whatever yes. my my friend um I just did a a a, a pilot podcast you know like a oh, podcast really? that. Well, it's we. They like to get a bunch in the the can before they release them. Um, mm-hmm. And so, since I think they they're not good like us and want to record every week, mm-hmm. um, they want to get a whole bunch done. So I did a, a sample one, but uh, it involved uh, involved a name that I could not believe was not already taken, uh, which is is a a popular almost like Reddit thread name. And I was just like, really, there's no podcast that uses this, but there wasn't. So it's I'll let I'll let. Name. I'll, I'll let people kind of speculate on what the name of this podcast could be. I'm not going to give it away yet, but uh, maybe I maybe I'll Is say it about on the premium. No, no, it was it was 100 unrelated to wrestling, unrelated to real of real life events. Wow, it was something I was doing with some improvisers. So uh, it's one of those podcasts where, like this one, I would I would be shocked if anyone wanted to listen to it. But then again, I would think it would be fun if people wanted to listen to it. So we have dozens of people who are actually paying to listen to even more than this. 
Yes, that is true. Yes. I was I was going to do some graphs this week on the growth rate of our uh, WrestleNomics patron. Yeah. Uh, which I know you can you can get from the Patreon site, but I wanted mm-hmm. to kind of do it all myself just to make yeah. sure I, I approve. Yeah, I, I do that on a weekly basis just as I fantasize about quitting my day job. So, <laughs> uh, But today, uh, pe- the pe- people that might be able to quit their day job is um, all the people who negotiate raw rights because uh, it's getting very interesting right now. Yeah. They're doing a pretty good job if this Hollywood Reporter story is to be true. Um, George Barrios is building that case for the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. He knows how illustrious that is. Yeah, that's true. So Hollywood Reporter on May 16th, 2018, uh, Leslie Goldberg wrote a piece that wrote, WWE SmackDown up for grabs as NBC Universal moves to pin down Raw. And it says, sources tell The Hollywood Reporter that SmackDown is being shopped to various networks after NBC Universal, whose USA Network airs the highly rated pro wrestling matches, declined to re-up its deal. NBCU is said to be focusing on renewing its pack for WWE's Raw, another Raw wrestling franchise, and the deal is expected to close at as much as three times its current value. So uh, a lot of things going on there. Um, I think, of course, the first thing to start with is where we are in the current deal cycle and what does this possibly mean. So the current deal cycle is from uh, 2014 is when it was announced and it went into effect at the very end of 2014, mm-hmm. and it will go a dormant in the end of 2019, which is uh, like October time. So it, it was basically a five-year deal. And so if you think about five years, that means um, 2015, October was year one, 2016, year two, 2017, year three, 2018, year four, 2019, year five. So 2017, October time, so kind of Q4 of last year was pretty much the middle point of this deal. So when they talk about AAV, which is average annual value, 2017 is a decent number to look at for what the average value of the deal was at the time. Would you, would you say that's correct? Yeah, and, and, and when we think about how much money they're going to make from this new round of deals, they're not going to start collecting that money until late 2019. 20. Yeah, so... W- the question, next question people come up with is, well, what is the domestic TV rights? Because we know what the total TV rights are. Total TV rights are um, last year. I have the number actually sitting right here in front of me. Let me just pull it up. Uh, two, 293, I want to say. Nope, I'm sorry. That was next year's possibility. 270.2 is what, what I'm guessing um, total TV rights was last year. And I'm not so much guessing that as taking it off the trending schedule. All over the world. So not just the NBC or domestic deal. Yeah, so then the question is, what is the domestic deal? Well, they used to break out the domestic deal back in 2013. It was 105.9 of the $163.4 million. So about 65% of the money was domestic back in 2013. And I think that's the last year that they gave us an actual domestic versus international TV rights breakout. But what we do have is a pretty good idea of what the TV rights for domestic are. Um, My... My understanding at the time was that the U.S. deal went from maybe 105.9 to maybe 114 to 127 to 132. And then when we get to 2017, it was probably closer to 145, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing. And then the next two years, I'm guessing it's going to shoot up into like the 158, 170 range. So what I would say is anywhere from 140 to 150 million domestic TV rights for WWE would probably be accurate. I don't think it for, could be the size of 160 million AAV. 
it it could be, but to me that feels a little bit more like that might be next mm-hmm. year's number. I, I think that's the um, number that the observer used. Was one sixty. Interesting. And and again, the challenge here is that there's Raw, there's SmackDown, but there's t- also Total Divas, Total right. Bellas. A couple of years there have Tough Enough. A couple of years there have um, uh, the new Miz and Marie show that's going to be coming up. They have um, when they do the one-off specials like the Hall of Fame or when they do the um, Tribute to the Troops or other things where those extra showings of things, I don't know exactly how those get annualized into Did the package. A Hall of Fame. NBC gave him some more money to do Raw 25. Raw 25. Um, I heard when SmackDown went went live, I heard that that NBCU might be kicking in a little bit more money as well at that time to offset the, the added cost yeah. of going live. So it, when I use my 145 number, that was based on some research and data points that I was I got before we redid mm-hmm. the brand split. So 160 is is a very reasonable number to to assume and let's say it's between 150 and 160 so just for the purposes of of what you and i talking about let's go low let's say 150 150 and let's call that just raw smackdown Mm -hmm. core rights um the nice thing is there's approximately five hours of of core right programming that's associated right which means we have three hours of Raw and two hours of SmackDown. So the next question is, what percentage of Raw and SmackDown is that $160 million? And unfortunately, I didn't get enough time this week to sit down and go through my hour-by-hour calculations where I look at, you know, how much was it when it was a two-hour show, then it was a three-hour show, and then look at escalations and all the other kind of fun math I wanted to do with it. But what's important to kind of keep in mind is that every hour is not built the same. Um, the challenge you have is that when they added that third hour, they did not get 50% more for raw, you know, adding a third hour to the show was not worth 50% as much as the first two hours was instead it was probably less. And likewise, SmackDown has never been valued equal to raw when it comes to a, a pure dollar basis, except for when one of the other networks had it, I think they were paying really big money similar to when WGN bought like superstars. They paid a ridiculous amount of money for the viewership that they actually got on that show. Um, so every now and then someone were, will for like a one-hour basis or a 30-minute basis kind of overpay. Um, you and I have math on Facebook watches payment for um, uh, for Mix Match Challenge, for instance, yeah, about, recently. About a million and a half dollars. And I think I – yeah, and I think I figured out that that was worth – approximately 50% of what the TV value of those hours are based on Raw and SmackDown, or at least Raw, mm-hmm. is on, based on the number of quote-unquote viewers that they had on the numbers we were looking at and then you know, kind of dividing it by how many hours of content and dividing it by how many dollars they spent on it. Um, it was about 50%. So, I mean, Raw is pretty premium is what I'm also trying to get at here is that that those three hours, which you're kind of buying in a chunk, you're not really buying one hour at a time, um, the amount that I'm guessing is that instead of saying it's 60%, which would be three fifths, I think it's at least two thirds. It could be as high as even three quarters of the value of the contract. Cause I also don't know if SmackDown and raw are built to, to accelerate exactly at the same terms for the next couple of years here, but somewhere between 60 and 75%, I think is reasonable. Yeah, would you I, agree? I did some math and I'm going to, I'm going to paste in here so that you can see it. 
Yeah, you did a nice tweet here, about fact. this. Um, is this the same math that I'm referencing? Yes, it is. Okay. So and I, I'm, I'm figuring, like, well, how much does viewership have to do with this? Because as we know, Raw by the hour does about 3 million viewers. SmackDown by the hour does about 2.5 million viewers, right? So I did. So I went in, into our, uh, our Showbuzz Daily uh, spreadsheet and I said, all right, so what's the average viewership for the entire year 2017 for each Raw and SmackDown? So Raw, the average viewership over the entire year 2017 was uh, 3,017,000 3, on average. And so what I did is that mul- I multiplied it by the length of the show, which is three hours. I know with the overrun, it's really like 310, but I guess for, for brevity, and this is, this is a, just an estimate anyway, so I did three hours. So if you multiply that 3 million by three hours, you get about 9 million, right? Then you take SmackDown. SmackDown is a two-hour program. It does about 2.5 million viewers on average. And uh, so I multiply that by, by the two hours. So 2.5 times 2 is about 5 million. So then you're looking at, like, okay, I don't even know what to call this metric other than, you know. It's like like viewer hours consumed domestically, right? right? Like George talks about this sort of thing sometimes when he'll say we had this many hours of video mm-hmm. consumed, you know, 5 billion hours of video. That's kind of the same thing here as we're saying there's 14 million hours of video consumed for the sake of being on the traditional eyeballs. So 9 million eyeballs from, from well, Raw, 5 million eyeballs from SmackDown. So you say, okay, what, what's the proportion? Let's say 9 million pairs oh, of eyeballs, right? Now I'm confused. Um, <laughs> well, we have to – I don't – I don't know what the rate of people that are cyclopses in the um, United States is. I guess I can Google that. Probably the Occupational Health yeah. and Safety website would tell me how many people have vision only in one eye. And how many are – you know, there's some there's blind viewers Pierre too, Carl I'm sure. Um, yeah. So anyway, the portionality there is 9 million for Raw versus 5 million for SmackDown. So you figure, well, what's that? That, that comes out to 64% of the viewership comes from Raw. 36% of the viewership comes from SmackDown. So if you extrapolate that, if you apply that to the roughly whatever it is, $150 million that we're figuring here, then uh, is that where I want to go here? So $150 million well, times 64% is $96 million. And then I guess what, that would be raw. And then SmackDown would be, this is AAV now, and then SmackDown would be, what, $54 million. So... So, so just so I'm clear here, you're saying of the, let's say, 160 million, or what was your, your base number? 150 million, 96 million of it is approximately mm-hmm. raw. And I would say maybe 100 million, because I'm going with my two-thirds estimate, which was, it was interesting. I just kind of, like, you asked me for, like, what the split was, and I just, off the top of my head, kind of said, I bet you it's worth about mm-hmm. two-thirds um, maybe even a little bit higher. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was even 70% because I also think a Monday hour viewer might be worth more than a Tuesday hour viewer because competition on Monday might be a with little higher. With football, with whatnot, with just the fact that it's it's a more ingrained audience. Um, I, I just don't, I don't even know enough about TV markets yet to know whether or not there's a different value to every day of the week, though I've been kind of led to believe like Saturday afternoon is worth very little you know, versus, you know, say a, a Monday in prime time, obviously. Well, if anybody there but knows, not sure exactly better than we do. Yeah, I would love, I'd love to hear that. I'd love to learn a little bit more about it, but yeah, let's assume anywhere between two thirds and or higher of it. So a hundred million bucks. And then they're basically saying NBCU is interested in keeping it for, it said three X their current value. So again, um, what's nice is the current value and the, um, the, the, 
in number for the the deal is very close, right? So what's nice is we're we're essentially in the middle of the deal now. So you can use the words current value and kind of mean mm-hmm. AAV. Yes. So, um, and and I know Are you I keep pausing randomly. No, it's my dog is, 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 I'm trying to stop her from barking at the window here. Cause I moved to the other two. I moved out of the WrestleNomics gold plated stadium or, or uh, mm, studio, mm. not a stadium. Not yet. I'm not all in, but, um, yet, uh, yeah, a studio. And so I could uh, money yet. <laughs> no, no. Qatar is still uh, negotiating with me. And so, um, instead I'm, I'm in my living room, which is I'm closer to the router. So we don't sound like I'm underwater half the show, but as a consequence, my, my schnoodle and my poodle, my schnauzer poodle and my poodle, both standard dogs. Well, it, um, it wouldn't be a wrestling who are, if there weren't dogs going crazy in the background. So it's okay. Right. Right. Yeah. So the, both of my dogs are about 10 years old, 11 years old. So they're, they're not like hyperactive, but they're intently aware that there are squirrels, rabbits, and children on bicycles in this world and they have to make sure that they alert me every time they yes, see one of those things so that is their purpose so i'm so i'm like like the whole time here i'm like crouched down so i can try and grab them before it happens or at least hit the mute button so when i disappear randomly that's what's happening i know no one cares about that right now but and we could have edited that whole speech out in post but i'm just making it clear so 100 million dollars 3x that would that would um suppose that WWE is looking at something like $300 million from uh, NBCU just for Raw for their new deal as an AAV. And again, a $300 million AAV deal, if we assumed, say, five years, 2021, uh, 2022 time, it's worth $300 million. It's not going to start at $300 million. Am, am I correct right. on that's, that? That's what we understand. It would average out to $300 million if if our assumptions we've made to this point are correct so the total tv deal that they have today uh sitting at the end of 2017 their total deal was worth um just so i have it here 270.2 million and of that about maybe 50 ish percent maybe a little higher than than that is 56 percent is domestic so about half now we're talking about 300 million and that's just domestic alone and then the international side which today is sitting maybe at 125 million and could be up to maybe 140 150 mm-hmm. something like that by the time we're done um that is looking at on the UK I'm not as as optimistic on you know if the UK deal is going to end at say 33 million dollars I don't think it's going to go no. double and, and comments that you know, I think made it, about if they can, that market being the most tiered up of, of their TV markets certainly is giving us the impression that the UK deal isn't going to be a big raise. Yeah. So if say they got a 25% increase, that's a little over $40 million. If they got a 50% increase, that's over $50 million. I think that's a fair play. I, I don't think they're going to get kicked off of the UK marketplace. I do agree. They have very little leverage there right now, but you could also see something like, sky recognizing that if say fox wants to buy them that fox does recognize a strong value in wrestling and you know they they might say okay i'm i am willing to you know i don't want to lose this lucrative property at all and not have it at all as available to us as something we can can possibly play as a card so i do think there's some value to them but again i don't think we're talking about a 2x here or 3x i think we're talking about like a 1.25 or 1.5x 
Um, and then India, they do seem very optimistic on. And it's important to remember that the Indian marketplace has already tripled since like 2012. Like it will probably end $34 million. And, you know, 2012, it was probably $11 million. So, I mean, it is much, much bigger. And they seem to believe that they have a very good deal in place there. Um, I would be low end optimistic, you know, like a 1.75 X. I think I've seen people out there putting two X's out there. Um, but that's $60 million. So, I mean, if we said just us or I'm sorry, UK and India that together, I'm guessing is, you know, another $110 million, um, international. And then you have beyond those two already, uh, for international marketplaces, they still have another, hmm, let's see, just the US and, and UK alone. Let's say that's only $67 million. And internationally, they probably have at least $140 million. So, you know, there's still probably $75 million of deals that they'll also just mm-hmm. kind of roll over. So let me just see here. I'm just doing my kind of quick math on what this deal could be worth in the future here. Um, let's say 75 times 1.25. And then... Hmm. I guess I need to miss that millions. I'm just taking all the deals, the UK deal, the India deal, the um, US deal, and just trying to figure out how much would it all be worth. I'm guessing you could probably get to a number. Oh, goodness. That seems amazing. 500 million. Is that possible? Really? For every, for the entire TV segment. For the entire TV segment by like mm-hmm. 2021, 500 million. That seems and and so so to put that in perspective, W reported about 800 million in total revenue for 2017, the entire year of over their their entire business. Yeah. So that so that that that. But would I guess be, it's reasonable because they're at three. They're they're already going to be at close to 300 million this next year for TV rights. This is, is going to be a company that's reporting a billion dollars in revenue soon, in a, in a year. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think they will be. Um, again, not a billion dollars of, of profit, not a, a strong profit margin on that billion dollars. Although the TV um, rights are going to yeah. only continue to have a higher profit margin with these raises, right? Because it's not as if TV is becoming way more expensive with these new deals. It's probably not becoming that much more yeah. expensive. No. It, it, and I think they've, they've made comments to that effect in some of the commentary there. I do think there's that possibility that you could argue, like we said before, why do you care that Ronda Rousey's locked in for a long-term deal? Well, if you're bidding for TV rights, you want to know that you're not going to get a Brock Lesnar type situation where you're suddenly going to lose your um, big, big star halfway through your, your period there. And so th- I could see there being a little bit of pressure on WWE to make sure that they're continuing to, you know, hold on to their top, top tier talent, continuing to, you know, make the show very presentable. You know, so it could be more investment in anything from set design to celebrities to pyro to whatever. All right. But again, well, you know, it's good or bad. Can't you see that being something that they're pressured to do more of by a TV? You know, when when the TV network holds such a big segment of your cards, it says a lot about your ability to kind of control your own fate. Um, Which actually it's. why, why don't you talk quickly about how long do you think this deal's for? Do you think it's going to be another five-year deal? Do you think they'd go for a three-year deal? I don't think there's a chance they're going to do a long-term 10-year deal. No, there's, there's no impression I get that, that suggests it's going to be a shorter deal. And I would think 
it would be in the TV network's interests, right, with the uncertainty around what's the future of media going to be like. I think it would be in their interest to, sh- to, to make a, a longer deal than a shorter deal, right? Um, maybe, un- unless unless the bubble bursts, as, as everyone wants to speculate. Um, so you and I had been throwing around the real, number real quick, of if I could add between two. There's um, in this Barrios talk that we'll talk about later on the premium show, I guess, he, he makes a comment about how W would be open to a longer deal. Longer than five years, maybe not twenty years. He said, "No, no Bret Hart deals here." But uh, but he will be open to a, yeah. a, a a deal longer than five. Which which is important to remember. They did that with Canada. They did a ten year deal with Rogers back in twenty fourteen, and in some ways you could say Rogers kind of got a sweetheart deal out of that because you know ten years locking up WWE rights with the escalations we're seeing, it's probably much in their advantage not to have to renegotiate that right now. Um. We had been throwing around the numbers of 225 to 275 for WWE's renewals, including SmackDown domestically previously. Uh, kind of that 1.5, 1. 1.6, 1. 1.7x yeah. yeah, type number. I think that's number. one of the big points we, we should make and, here is that every analysis we, we heard and I get our own conclusions too were like, yeah, it's probably going to be like 1. 1.6, 1. 1. 1.7, you know, in terms of a raise. And, th- this, and here we're talking about 3x on two-thirds of the portfolio which if you do the math that's 2x plus smackdown and that's that's 3x without or 2x without us even using smackdown in reason to believe that smackdown will get maybe a a 1.6 1.7x at least so the stock market is certainly reacting that way yeah so couple couple pieces there number one stock market went crazy when this hollywood reporter uh note came out and basically, the stock for the very first time shot well above fifty dollars, um, which is absolutely an all-time high, high, no question about it. Forty-two cents. So I mean, just an enormous and and a strong close too. Like like it, there was little ups and downs and ups and downs throughout the day. But we're talking about going from fifty dollars to forty-nine fifty to fifty-one dollars, back to fifty, back to fifty-one, back to fifty, back to fifty-one and a half. So I mean, it it it, it th- those variations being half a dollar at a piece, as some people, you know, kind of left. You know, if you were a, a investor who is stock uh, risk averse, you have made your money on this stock. I mean, you if you had ten thousand shares, I think it, you should. I, again, I'm trying to give investing advice, and I'm not a, a, a shareholder, but I would say getting the stock up to fifty, that's a win. You know, if you if you had owned the stock a year ago. It was worth so yeah. much less, and so you know. And to me, it's like you should you should not let this. I think playing, you know, a year ago, May twenty second, twenty seventeen, it was worth nineteen eighty. It wasn't even mm-hmm. worth twenty bucks. So it's gone from from twenty bucks to right. fifty bucks in a year. And I would I would start buying down at this point because I do feel like some of these deals, like the UK deal, are going to come in weaker than expected. Um, the and you don't think that structure of baked into this stock price? I haven't read anyone, any analyst yet, who seems to be knocking on the UK deal the way that you and I are thinking about it. Um, I, I mean, I, I felt like the closest we got was George's evasiveness. The two times people have asked for UK numbers so far, and the really, really keen analysts probably are catching on to that, but. I, I don't feel like it's baked in overall in the company. Um, and then I also – I just think that you just run the risk that you know there's some other uncertainties about their business model here 
where, you know, um, you, you don't know whether some of the guys like Brock Lesnar are really going to stick around or whatnot. And, and not to say that I really think that's going to move the stock one way, but I just feel like I feel like the other shoe is going to drop. And as I keep telling people, if you've been following this for years and years and years, and what I love is if you just go to the five year model on Google Finance, you'll see it. It was um, March of 2014. The stock shot up in a day basically from the 20s all the way up to 31 bucks. And then shortly thereafter, uh, they announced their deal and it crashed. And when I say crashed, it shot down to about 12 bucks within a it few weeks. It shot down to where it was them. in the months before the hype around the new deal. Yeah, uh, even lower, actually. I mean, in the, the I mean, I guess, guess I'm the seeing lead here up, in the summer but, of 2013, but, it's around 9, 10, 11, and then it, it goes way up to yes. 30 in march and then and yes. then in may it crashes to about about 11 yeah my my recollection of the time was it was right when they announced that they hit a million subscribers in uh royal rumble time that they got the first yeah, little boost january 2015 the that they announced they had a million subscribers oh i thought that no, was 14 the, okay you're right because of course they i'm sorry the first the first bump was the announcement of the network yeah of course um so yeah it just it, it went way up. And so I, I had written an article for Seeking Alpha uh, about six months ago where I said they should heed the lessons of, of five years ago. And so there's that little bit of that motion now where I see – whenever I see the stock jump up the way it jumped up on um, last week when it jumped up from – what was it trading at right before that deal was announced? So yeah, it was trading at 43.50 and then it jumped up to 50 bucks. And I was just like anytime you start seeing those kind of moves – that makes me nervous because WWE has a history of kind of getting to that point, getting everybody really excited. And then when they finally lay it all out, something is missing and the investors say, oh, my God, this is not what I expected. And we saw that with the WWE Network launch. We saw that with the TV rights deal. We've seen that in other times where I think, you know, they get people really excited for something. And then when they actually tell them their plan, people kind of back up and say, whoa, whoa, that's not what the rumors in Induendo. You guys aren't selling to Facebook like I thought you were. You guys, Amazon didn't give you a billion dollars like I thought they did. Saudi Arabia is not giving you $25 million like I thought they did. Well, I think, well, what's, you know, what's the uh, overinflated uh, assumption here? I don't, I, don't, I don't know what it is. Um, like they, I, they, if, if this uh, Hollywood Reporter report is is accurate and and it's really three x for raw and it's not more like two x or maybe even two and a half time two and a half x then i don't know the then then, well the analysts have have reacted according to that and and if that's true then that'll be okay and then smackdown uh, according to variety the front runner the front running contenders for smackdown rights include fox facebook and amazon ooh new media so i I think smackdown's well again Maybe maybe they don't understand. Maybe yeah. the market doesn't understand exactly what's going to happen in the UK, but that's a, a relatively smaller issue. Well, my my deal would be d- domestically, TV rights are maybe fifty five percent of their TV right. D- t- domestic TV rights are about fifty five percent of their total TV rights mm-hmm. money today. In this new deal, I'm estimating it could be you know maybe sixty percent, but. That's only that's still forty percent of that portfolio. You got to make sure you're shoring up. And WWE just you know had to file suit against one of their international distributors, 
And we don't know if other international distributors might have some buyer's remorse and end up in that situation. We also don't know what's going to happen to 40% of that portfolio is that I, I think, you know, you're, you're basing, you're, you're pretending that one data point is going to be the rest. And what that's exactly what happened five years ago is people said Thailand is up 7x, UK is up 3x, India looks like they're going to double their money. Why won't WWE domestically do such and such? And then in the end, that bit them in the ass because Thailand never paid up. CTH, they had to sue. And, those are what, um, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth, worth in deals? Millions? millions, millions of dollars. But, but, but yeah, they're, they're small pieces. But I'm just saying – I'm just trying to say historically I have seen this trend where people take a small data set. They extrapolate it. Then they say WWE's entire business model is going in this direction. And the next thing you know, there's a big mistake. So even even the Saudi Arabia deal, we've all latched on to this idea that it's worth $20 million an event or $20 million a year. But we don't know that. And so there's always the possibility it's going to come and bite them in the ass. Same thing. WWE is clearly helping with this narrative. They wanted this out there. It's the same way UFC wanted that $10 million a year ESPN Plus deal out there, right? And so WWE hates to be the after run, the also run, who who is in the shadow of UFC. You know, there's nothing that annoys them more than when people compare them to UFC. I, I don't know if you've ever picked up on that in the investor conferences, but – you know, they, it's all smiles and, and happiness, but going all the way back to that Paul Levesque, kind of his coming out party, I like to say him and Stephanie had a Needham fireside chat about four or five years ago. One of the biggest things that came out there was he was asked about UFC's value and he tried to kind of play it off as, ah, oh, that, that they're different. Well, we have us. the advantage because we're able to script the finishes and the outcomes and the storylines and they don't. And they have to deal with, you know, people yeah. losing when you don't want them to lose. And then the next thing that came up was UFC was getting bought for billions of dollars and people saying, hey, why aren't you worth billions of dollars and them having to do that? And then now this latest round is we're so happy for them. We think, you know, rising tide raises all boats and UFC is different than us. But, you know, it's how, cool. How much was UFC that bought for? for? About four billion or so. And, yeah. And market, yeah. So, market I mean, the market cap, cap for billion. Yeah, but I still think so much of this is driven by by um, speculators. I I don't know if the value, you know, I haven't done mm-hmm. the math to figure out what the share price should be, even if they are a three hundred million dollar mm-hmm. deal. Now, it, it's good for WWE. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying I, <laughs> I I hate to say like that. You know, I have no faith in them because I've seen them mess up so many things in their lifetime you know, shoot themselves in the foot so many times, like, hey, we're going to announce a big new TV rights deal, but we're also going to implement a new OTT service that's going to piss off a lot of our partners and ruin our pay-per-view business And I think that was overnight. a big factor, why, the, you know, why those deals and, and do it, 14 didn't turn out the way they wanted them to, and I think that was a big factor in that stock price blowing up and then falling down. Absolutely, and so I'm, I'm thrilled that, you know, for, for a wrestling company, I'm thrilled that they have seemed to get their act together and that this time they're not doing so many self-destructive things. I am just concerned that there's something in the formula here that we're missing. Um, a lot of times it turns out to be on the profit side where you know they, that you do the math and you suddenly come out and say, shouldn't you be about 20% more profitable or 50% more profitable? Where's all this money going? Um, and then on the flip side of it to say, you know what a small percentage of this is going to go to the wrestlers? It's it's absurd. Yeah. In terms Everybody's of payroll, raise now, when you right? think All about the wrestlers, going to get a raise because of this, this uh, yeah. big increase, right? 
I mean, that's the theory, right? So if every person on Raw is suddenly worth two X yeah. as much, uh, can you can you double your paycheck or even assume ten percent more? Raw roster is going to get a three X uh, pay raise, right? Yeah. So it you know. Like we were talking to people about would there ever be unions in pro wrestling? Would they ever be examined? You know, someone was saying how – not someone. Dave Meltzer was saying how there was a woman who uh, filed a appeal to the National Labor Board about a UFC contract. And part of that was examining whether or not she was an independent contractor. And people were just saying, well, then what if that decision-making process then it gets applied to wrestlers ever? What if a WWE wrestler ever really appeals, I want to be considered an independent contractor? what ramifications that would have. And then we were just talking about, you know, would, would SAG, would Screen Actors Guild type things apply? And, and um, Crap Game 13, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Hawkins, uh, uh, a guy that you and I have met and uh, someone I, I know through improv and through kind of wrestling podcasting, um, co-host of and Shake the, Them Ropes, the, also of the Wrestling the, uh, Network like, show. SmackDown post-podcast, yeah. Absolutely. And so Jeff was just saying, the SAG rates would absolutely decimate WWE's current structure for what it costs to write and produce Raw if they were using SAG writer rates and if they were paying the wrestlers more like SAG That's employees. The they really can afford this even though they're getting enormous TV rights? No. They could absolutely afford it. I'm just saying it would it would change the cost structure enormously. Sure. As it should. Right. Well, that so happens saying, when you pay people, I don't know. More, more in the way that other businesses pay people. Yeah, fair market value. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that, my point would just being that's a good example of like, you know, if uh, there's always these these sort of Damocles hanging over people's heads and like the whole independent contractor slash CTE issues are always going to be there. And to me, that's always going to be a somewhat of a risk for their 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 profile for profit. And they, they've done fantastic on a legal front. You know, I, I would always argue Jerry McDivitt before George Barrios for WWE Ooh. Hall of Fame. Um, because, I mean, I think McDivitt's record is incredible when you think about how many uh, conundrums he's gotten them out of. Uh, yeah, are, are they all conundrums and, but that they should have gotten out of, though? Like, is it – I mean – I'm not I'm not speaking ethically here. I'm I'm just speaking in terms of if it's about drawing power and the ability to produce money for a company, I think he's done a good job for them. Our our ethics a factor. We'll we'll save that for next fall, but <laughs> <laughs> it's all about ethics and pro wrestling hall of fame battle. Maybe, maybe we'll have to maybe I'll have to start my own personal hall of fame that uh, where where ethics and morality are, are the highest standard. I don't know if I can join that Hall of Fame. I'm, we'll I'm upset. No inductees for a long time, certainly. <laughs> be Mr. Rogers' wing, and that'll be it. Be, but he's not really wrestling related. Um, well, we could find a way. Everything's true. wrestling, and I, I've, what, I've already found whatever numerous yeah. ways. But yeah. Yes. So, getting back to the the core central thesis here is WWE domestically looks like they're going to overshoot on their value that they have if this report is true. Now, one point I made, and I think you incorporated into your analysis here, is is that a lot of numbers round up to three, right? So, two point five rounds up to three, and so you could make an argument that what if it's say one hundred sixty million dollars, two thirds, but it's only two point five. So instead of being 300 million, it would be closer to, according to your math here, 268 as the midpoint for raw. Yes. Right. So that that and that's 30 million dollars less. And that, that's not an enormous difference. I, I mean, I, of course, you and I would would be happy to deal with. We, we'll even c- split the difference to we'll just take three million of that deal. You know, 30 million is still a lot of money. 
But but just to give an idea of, you know, there is a plus or minus easily $30 million range yeah, on this. I would like to think uh, the Hollywood Reporter, when they use that language about three times, they hopefully were aware uh, or, or or maybe at least the person who informed them of that uh, that tidbit was aware of the uh, the one 1.7x, 1.6x, 2x type, type of conversation. Yeah, but, but – but- but I don't see them worrying about writing 2.5x when they mean 3x because a WWE source who's saying off the record I want you to publish this is you know their their vision is we got to make it sound as rich as we can it, they want to scare the pants off every bidder out I there because the, the 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 purpose of this article was was probably threefold number one it was to um reaffirm the value of raw to them and say to everybody, Hey, out there, you're pretending like I'm underpriced. Look at this. I'm getting three X for my show. Number two, to re-cement that, that relationship with NBCU, because there's been so much chatter about Fox that I think WWE kind of was going to get themselves in a situation where suddenly everybody thought they were going to sign with Fox they don't sign with Fox. And even if it's for a good deal, suddenly WWE looks like they, they're making a bad decision, like they're investing with the wrong company right, so sort I'm of thing. So I'm looking at this the Hollywood Reporter article that, that reports this uh, this news about uh, Raw being uh, given a, a 3x increase. Sources tell the Hollywood Reporter that various networks after NBC Universal. So it's, it's, it's not as if it's a W source. It could be. Um, well, I see it as both NBCU and – Fox. I mean, NBCU and WWE kind of wanting to get NBCU this out. NBCU and WWE declined is that, to comment. I, I know that doesn't mean anything. Oh, but, yeah. Just, just saying. I, I just see it as as they really want that. And number three, I, for my three points here, number three is it's good for the value of the company is for them to, to put it out there. And, and, and it's to put everyone on notice, maybe it's four points, I don't remember, that SmackDown is for sale and that you can get SmackDown today. And NBCU, a lot of people saying, why would NBCU pay 3x for a show that today they have and get only two thirds of the content. So do you want your theory and then I can give I my theory about theory. it? Um, maybe they just think raw is enough. They don't need two programs here. They're maybe they're, they're boosted enough from raw. I, we haven't done the math, but maybe they've done the math about, well, if we take SmackDown out of the picture and replace it with something and we still have raw, maybe we're still ranked highly enough. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I want to talk about the hero in all of us, but uh, go ahead. I think I think that's part of it. I think part of it is NBCU recognizes losing wrestling on USA would be very bad for them because they don't have the silver bullet to replace it with. You know, you you know what USA replaced WWE with like when when they first moved back in like the two thousands. I don't remember what was it. It was like Magic's, Magic's Biggest Secrets Ooh. Revealed was like replayed on there. That's <laughs> and a it did terrible. Right? And and, magic. <laughs> but it was just kind of that idea of like they didn't care. They 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 knew it was a they, – they didn't know what to put up, but it wasn't good. And to the fact, USA, with the exception of um, being good spotters of future British royalty, they haven't been uh, uh, terrific at kind of developing new programming that's that's really been blockbusters for them. So – they are in a situation where they recognize it's bad for them to lose it, and it will hurt their credibility enormously if they have their top-rated programming basically taken by someone else. So then you have a budget. 
right? So you know, walking into this, I have to spend so many dollars probably on wrestling. And they probably did the calculus and figured out that they were going to have to spend $300 million, you know, between 250 and 300 million to, I, I would guess 250 if they had no competition and 300 if they wanted to beat the competition. And then they finally did the calculus and figured out, oh my God, WWE might not go with us even if we pay more because the I, the ability to be live on Fox is worth so much more to WWE than it is to be a show on cable. And of course, George laid out his three ideas for what he wanted out of this deal. And he said, number one, I want to deepen the engagement with our fans. Number two, I want to bring in new fans. And number three, right. I want monetization. So – Money is a part of that calculus, but it's not the only calculus. So I do think they would take a lower dollar deal for better coverage. I think they absolutely – if it was between 260 on Fox and 300 on USA, they would go 260 on Fox in a heartbeat. Maybe they they can grow the fan base if they get smacked down on Fox. And and so what I think it is is that NBCU did the calculation basically said we'd rather win one property than lose both. And if we're going to win, we want to win the better show. We don't want to win SmackDown. That's going to make us look like an also mm-hmm. also ran. So they definitely didn't want that. And then on top of that, WWE historically does make partnerships and tries to, you know, Vince is a very, very partner centric person. A very what? You know, I know mm-hmm. partner centric, like. I, I don't know if in wrestling people feel that's the way he is, but I think with with corporate yeah. people. Um, you know, he, he's loyal to a fault in certain ways where like, you know, he would rather work with, you know, one set of deals than another set of deals. If that's his, his gut feeling is let's go here. He's not always in the money grab business and, and that might surprise people to hear, but he is the same thing of why he would double down about the Saudi Arabia thing. He's also demonstrated bravado. He made a hand things like going, let's just go it alone and do the W network and let's cannibalize pay-per-view. Sure. But I mean, at the same thing, I would imagine he's like, I shook this guy's hand and and we made a deal. And why would I why would a bunch of people bitching about it on social media make a difference to me? You know, and so to me, it seems like they have been so close to NBCU, specifically USA Network, specifically Bonnie Hammer, such a big wig for so many years. They recognize they are better off having a partner who's been around same thing with sky in the UK, you know, when they talk about 20 years with sky, you know, it's big to them to be able to be, to say, we don't want to be caught up in the month to month machinations of the media business where one day you're hot, one day you're not. And someone basically says new leaderships here and Jamie Kellner's canceling the the basis. We want to of Vince McMahon. He is not above challenging you to a fight in a public restroom as I think it was Harley, Harley race found out, right? Because he, because he <laughs> would uh, believe it. went ahead and dropped the, the NBA title to Ric Flair. That's Stark 83. Yes, yes, all the story. Yes. But but just to me, it, it's like NBCU recognizes this value in the WWE relationship. And WWE recognizes they're so much better off if they have the partner who's stuck by them through all their tri- trials and tribulations and who can pony up mm-hmm. the money. And so they come up with a deal where they basically say, yep, let's keep Raw up here on the special tier, let's give it this. We have these deals with you. We have these other things that we can continue on with. And at the same time, we'll boost USA Network and we'll float SmackDown out there. And you know what? If As long as we come in above the number we had estimated we could get for domestic rights, SmackDown 
kind of just needs to tread water or yeah. do better. Right. And I think it can. I mean, we, we figure it, SmackDown's worth, what, $50 million? Right, about that. I think Easy. it was worth something like $30 million when it moved over, and it's probably accelerated up to yeah. about $50 so, million. so if you believe that, why, why wouldn't you believe that this the stock – is going to be stable or or at least you know if not if not gradually increasing stable i just don't know what the expectations are yeah. that the marketplace is putting on it to, to value you're, it at 50 bucks about i mean it's actually been baked in here uh, yeah i'm just saying if 3x is in there uh for the u.s then suddenly people are going to start saying well why can't they get 3x in the uk why can't they get 3x in india why can't they get 3x in in south africa and you, every you other deal or, why can't they're driving the stock price off is that naive okay <laughs> yes um yeah, yeah yeah because i think there's a ton of speculators out there i, I, I mean, don't those analyses I mean, we read aren't, aren't I, that crazy no but but the, i don't know if they're the largest volume traders I mean, literally, when I talk to people influence over the the real investors that you don't think like enough real investors are reading that and and are informed in that way to not make those mistakes. People in 2014 asked me when WCW was coming Mm -hmm. back. They they didn't have a clue why that a WWE had ever left um, uh, NBC Universal or Mm -hmm. USA Network. They didn't have a clue when they moved back. They didn't understand why their TV rate, their TV advertising rates went away. Like they didn't understand any of that well, stuff. That, that's more like wrestling because, industry history than it is like what's been happening in the last few but months. But it's TV negotiation history, and and TV executives do have long memories. Like everyone would say to me, "Well, if WWE gets this kind of ratings, why won't they get this kind of money?" And I'd say because historically people think that wrestling are booger eating fans. And they don't want to pay for it. And the advertising rates for Raw are terrible. And they'd say, no, that can't be right. Look at look at football. They all they have to do is a tenth of football or or what what's Matt? You know, and they just go through this analysis in their head and then justify to me why they were right that it should be worth so you much know, more. If, if, and I'd if say economics yeah. can uh, capture point one percent of the number of WWE network subscribers that there are, I will be able to quit my day job. Yes. And so it, it's, it's not that I think anyone's dumb. I just think that, you know, you, it's a it's a game of chance and there's probabilities of each event happening. And sometimes people overplay the probabilistic opportunities because they see a win there. And I, I think if anything, this is going to probably scare a lot of people away from overvaluing the stock because we finally had the first shoe drop. And that's one of the reasons we see the stock beginning to oscillate between, you know, 4950 and 5150 is because you see some people finally taking those gains and it it will be very interesting. I I think they could have all their ducks in a row for the first time in forever. So I I, I just it's so hard for me to believe that that's true because this company has always been so all over the place when it Mm -hmm. comes to this stuff. And also I, I see fundamental questions about the way the companies run and this this was kind of someone brought up this great term to me about fan driven money and this idea did you see this tweet this kind of concept they asked me they said if you took wwe's different revenue streams Mm -hmm. and you broke it down and you said what percentage of their revenue is driven by fans and what percentage of their revenue is driven by um uh, basically guaranteed yeah, yeah, money that comes to them directly. Um, and so what I did is I, I went to the the um, the trending schedules 
And uh, we have this great document. And if you're a uh, Patreon supporter, you can get a copy of the document. And it's all the trending schedules going back to 2002. Schedules, right? Yes, the master, master trending schedules. And in fact, most people, when they have their schedules, they have it set up in fiscal years for 2002 through 2006. And then a transition year, then 2007 onwards. But if you're really a keen Russell matrician, you would note that they released a document once that had 2002 through 2006 in calendar years. And so you can actually go back quite and, a ways. And that's what, what I cal- used here to put this together? Yeah. Yes, it is. I'm just saying it's, it's a document that very few people ever caught. And uh, I didn't even find it for, for some time. And so I love it because it actually has calendar years from 2002 to 2017. So I went through and I, I categorized the different um, – things and i should um share my spreadsheet with you because i i'm looking at a slightly different version of the master training schedules that what, i made what, what you're getting at is just for the uh, uh, among the segments there's basically the network live events and that's and any merchandise w shop and yeah. then everything else is business partner oriented right uh let's see i'll i'll uh, share right now um what it is so i have um network is fan uh, driven pay-per-view is fan driven uh, classics on demand or VOD that's fan driven uh, live events is fan driven travel packages are fan driven television I'm calling not fan driven those are mainly contractual guarantees it, to a small degree TV advertising you could argue is fan but I'm not going to I'm going to say that that's sold up front um, home video and entertainment is fan driven uh, digital media and WWE shop slash WWE shop I will call as fan driven but when it's digital media, www.com, I'll call it not fan-driven. I think it's all fan-driven, isn't it? Because it, it, w.com advertising sales are supported supported by uh, I, the, you know website visits. It's a really small percentage to fight over. I think it's not because I would argue that you're getting ad rates based on people watching ads, but those aren't fans. That's ad, that's just like TV advertising, where you're you're getting it based on some rate, but that oh, doesn't yes. really mean that someone is actually paying money to watch it it just means that you are finding a way to monetize that YouTube asset views YouTube it's a views, mix those videos are being viewed, viewed by fans but that the the revenue that you get on youtube is much more directly related to your viewership than tv is here here's here's my definition of it did wwe put money in their pocket because it came from a fan or not i'd say no that came from an advertiser who was paying to advertise their product to WWE because of WWE's audience. So indirectly, of course, no one pays money to WWE except for the fact that they have an audience. But it's not direct is what I guess I'll call it. Not direct fan. Direct consumer. Licensing is similar. Yeah. Licensing similarly, I'm going to call it not fan, but it could be called fan because obviously you sell more T-shirts that are licensed. You smell, sell more video games. You get you more money. Them too. But I'm going to call that – but I'm going to call that indirect because on the, on the same side, you, you have companies whose products are interfering with that fandom, right? So if they make a lousy video game, WWE does bad. That doesn't mean WWE's fans aren't giving them money. It just means that they, they, there's a miscalculation for another company in there. Venue merchandise, I say yes. Magazine publishing, I say yes. Other including appropri- uh, uh, appearances, I said Yes. WWE Studios. Actually, I said yes, and I'm going to change that to no. I'm going to call that not fan because the amount of money they make on that is um, – The profit is is nil. Question. Yeah, and I'm not even looking at profit here yet. I was actually going to do it for profit, but I haven't had a chance. But um, I'll call that not fan, and then corporate and other I'll call not fan. So those 
when I look there about what is it, 2017, I, according to my calculations of the eight hundred and nine thousand dollars, eight hundred million nine hundred thousand dollars they made, four hundred and nineteen million was fan related for twenty, and then not fan was about three eighty one, so that's about fifty two percent. And when I look at that number historically back to two thousand two, that number's really dropped, but not by a lot. It was only about sixty one percent in two thousand two. It got as high as as fan money was maybe in two thousand six was maybe 67% and then it dropped to about 60% and as low as maybe 54% in um, uh, 2010, 52% in 2013. Again, a lot of it's going to have to do with when the European markets got hot and there was a lot of live event revenue going into them. That's a lot of fan dollars. And, and you're saying it's, it's what, but now? what I was, what's the percentage breakdown now in 2017? About 52%. So still about half of their money comes from fans. About half of it comes from contractual which, which one is the fan or, or okay. fan fan? They are still driven it's by fans lower? is what it's slightly lower. It's, it's really been hovering around 52 to 55% for several years now. So the influx of the WWE network kind of helped bring back a lot of revenue into the fan segment. And the fact that they, like we talk about a lot, they've been pricing up on live events and so they've been driving more and more money through that, where something like licensing, which you and I have talked about, they actually haven't been doing a great job of growing their licensing segment all that much. Their licensing segment was $47 million in 2007, $60 million in 2008, and this last year is 52. I mean, it, it's barely moved over the last well, five, eight years. Though? So they're, they're going to get even more money from TV rights. So that's, that's what I was going to say. So the question someone kind of put to me was – at what point will they make more money on contractual obligations like TV rights than they will on actual money that the company makes um, as a total of revenue? And that's a huge question mark because, um, A, you have to come up with then what you think the value of the rest of the company is going to be in future years. And that's tough. That is not well, easy to do. None of streams are going to guess the rate that TV is going to grow. Yes. And then the, the flip of this, of course, is profit. Now, on profit, they make – almost 50% profit on TV where something like the network, they make about 29% profit. So, um, the big piece of that too, is they make so much more on, on, on their guaranteed money than they do on their fan driven money as profit. So they easily make more than half of their profit today on, on non fan money. And what I was just trying to get at is that the company to me, what, what, when you, this all boils down to that initial question of what makes Mookie nervous about WWE's future, and part of it is that I do see slight weakening in the core demand for WWE's product and in, on a fan basis. Why and is what that? I'm talking live yeah, but why, why is, and, why is there a, a, maybe a slumping demand? Oh, I think you and I have hit on it. I mean, you've talked about it all the time. It's because the product that they're delivering to the people that are supposed to be engaged by wrestling – are, is is not engaging them at the level that it should. They, they have, so they have either you're, the major league brand, they have the major league production, and yes, there are, are alternatives that WWE itself offers, like NXT, but it's not at the major league level. And and the stuff that is at the major league level, that is the main roster stuff, that's leaving a lot of fans dissatisfied. Um, Absolutely. And, and to me, it's like you have this challenge of saying at what point do people tune out, give up, or at what point have you driven the content so niche that people don't want to access it? So if you put your premium content, like he says, the pay-per-views all on this network, 
and the network can only get up to 2 million people viewing it, you're now basically walling off an opportunity for some people to to actually get to that like heavy engagement point. You know, if the best wrestling is on on that premium content and no one's ever seeing it, is that actually going to engage the people who want wrestling? And then it's the other question of they they continue to diversify and so it's more total divas or it's more this or more that or it's more Saudi government giving me flat fees. And it's like those things are not going to force you to think about where is my core demographic coming from? Do they enjoy the product I have and are they watching it? And so I see weakness in the fundamentals for WWE's demand as they've pushed up prices. And hopefully they're very intuitively recognizing this and they they see that, oh my God, even compared to five years ago, the number of people watching Raw is down a lot. And that stuff that we're talking about, like – the creative quality and their ability to make stars. I think those are things that are way below the radar of a financial analysis firm that's going to appraise the value of WWE stock. But what, what I mean, Ronda Rousey, right. they bought. You buy a star and you didn't create it. You right. bought a star. And so there was a huge difference there when you're building your brand around the ability to buy stars. So can we talk about the hero in all of us? So I, oh, I want to. Because this is, I believe this is from the uh, the Hollywood Reporter. It says a Guggenheim, Guggenheim analysis of WWE's current television renewals landscape said, uh, "We believe that WWE stands to make significant headway during its coming television contract negotiations due to enhanced brand, new business to business relationships, more potential bidders than ever, and a contract that under indexes over uh, that under indexes other live TV programming, premium programming." So. I, I wonder – we can bang on WWE a lot, and I think we should, for not creating stars and for not producing a compelling or dramatic uh, TV program that, that rewards viewers, especially viewers who watch for a longer amount of time. And they don't really create stars hardly at all or past a certain level or they're – you know Vince is hell-bent hell on making Roman Reigns into the accepted guy and it's just not happening and all that. But this year in all of us thing – I think this was a factor to some extent. This what's the hero in all of us? It's um, this campaign that that the USA Network slash NBC Universal and WWE did. They they ran a lot of these promos and commercials, I think, on TV and on on social media and the internet too, of course, to try to get across the idea that you know WWE is really about heroes and you know the, the hero in all of us, and it's just like you know any other kind of entertainment or programming. And we've heard George Barrios talk about you know talk about this line about how it's you know it's just like uh, Luke Skywalker in Star Wars, Katniss Everdeen and or Katniss and Everdeen. Games. Yes. So, do you think that campaign really made them more money? I think that campaign made them friends with NBCU. And, and the, the purpose of it was to make them more attractive to advertisers that then NBC Universal could sell advertising to. And as well, the WWE could sell it, its own separate sponsorships to. Exactly. I, I, I think that this is a company that more and more is being driven by corporate relationships and corporate ability to appease those corporate relationships. And they will sell themselves short anywhere they want to get a corporate relationship happy. I think the biggest challenge for them will come if someone says, I don't like your Fox, I don't like your Saudi Arabia deal, and I'm Network X, and I was willing to pay this much for your show, but now I'm not, because I think you're bad news for us. And so Snickers speaks out against Fabulous Moolah, Battle Royal. It's going to make a difference. Murdoch, they're probably not going to say that. 
Oh, I don't think so. I don't think any TV network is going to say, hey, we think doing business with Saudi Arabia is a bad idea. And by the way, we do a ton of business with Saudi Arabia ourselves. Or, yeah, we want to get in that marketplace bad and show our movies and our entertainment there. Um, but yeah, no, so I, I, I totally agree. And that's why I say I think this idea of the fan index, like I was going to write an article and I still might about what is WWE going to look like in four or five years from now? What is their strategy? Because part of it is worldwide is that there's a huge push for worldwide revenue uh, development. And part of it is that it's about more, less and less about fan-driven metrics and more and more about whatever you want to call it, metrics that are guaranteed revenue streams that come from corporate partnerships that have very little to do with WWE's ability to maintain a relationship um, with the fans. And it, it, I just want to always remind people – WWE in 2002 did about 88% of their money in North America. In 2007, they did 75% of their revenue. In 2013, they did 77. And last year, you, do you want to guess the percentage? Mm, 67%. 75. They are firmly, firmly like, – like we get this impression that they've done this huge worldwide push and they're enormously bigger in the world. There's still 75% of their revenue comes from North America. And that, that's stayed very consistent. It's barely moved over well, the so last 10 years here. In, in the uh, comparison of yeah. we make 75% of our revenue in North America, but hey, 75% of our YouTube viewership and social engagement or whatever is from outside the U.S. Is, exactly. And so I just mean this deal here, I'm not sure it's going to move the, the needle all that much because they, as long as they keep getting acceleration like this, as long as they keep touring the wor- the U.S. the way they do – so the only opportunity left, and this is why I asked you to pull those numbers about you know U.S. versus international mm-hmm. markets, is that there's a limit to how many times they can tour the U.S. marketplace before you're going to really see dilutive results, and plus before you have to like double your staff unless and you roster. Stars, but yeah. And so, yeah, unless you create stars. And so I think the next level, and even that is a big question mark to me because when we go back to the days of the Attitude Era when they had their biggest stars. They were doing only, you know, 212 shows in fiscal year 2001. They did only 206 shows in fiscal year 2000. Now they're doing 384 shows last year. And so I I do think that there's an element of if they had run 400 shows in the United States, would they really have been absolutely as hot as they were? I get they were drawing 10,000. Maybe maybe they would would have because they were drawing 10,000 people a, a, a show on average. But you just have this element where it, it is tough to compare a marketplace where you're running 200 shows a year at the ticket prices they were and when you're running 400 shows a year at the ticket prices they are. And and so I do have that concern sometimes about, you know, there is a limit to how much you can run a marketplace reasonably because you also – there's only certain days of the week that you really want to be running certain places. Um, that said, what is Paul Levesque's big strategy? What did he lay out he in the BPS? He wants performance centers all over the world and, and develop local markets. All over the world. And develop market local markets, and there's twofold for that. Number one, they want to have local stars, and they're big on that. They're huge on that. They're they're pushing that hard, hard, hard. Um, which is always interesting to me. This idea that like you need a local star versus you need a star that will get over in your local marketplace. And number two, they want the TV rights or future revenue development that come from that that market working. So if the UK, I think their golden ticket for the UK is not necessarily they're going to get $50 million from from Sky to put WWE 
on their tier number 12 show and get 50,000 viewers. What do you think their, their strategy is with Sky? I don't know. To get more money. I mean, what do you mean? I have a UK-based program. Right. I'm ready to sell you. I have all these stars. I've signed up. They are UK-based. They're going to be touring around the UK. Don't you want to have this lucrative programming on your network? Look for $50 million. You're going to double my deal. But I'm going to give you this new show that's going to be awesome, and it's going to be UK-driven and UK-based, and that's going to be We've huge for some you. Talk, I guess there are rumors. I think stuff that was reported by PW Insider that they were talking with – was it ITV and maybe Sky about um, about about what? Yeah. I think that's where the King of the Ring trademark maybe came into about doing a UK specific television program, not for the network but for television. Yeah, on in the UK, and that's where I see them, and that's where I see them leveraging now. Is that that will be like a great test case for them to prove basically? Hey, look, our core programming rights really weren't all that value. Well, they were very valuable, but they weren't getting an increase in value because the viewership was dropping. So we figured out that if we reinvested in localization or we did some, quote, global localization, TM, Paul Levesque, um, that they could get the big money right. So to me, that's that's what I see as their card. And I haven't heard any analyst really understand that yet. But um, if I was WWE, that would be the card I would play is I'd say, look, I, I'm ready to put a UK show on now. All you have to do is drop $20 million increase. And for them, it's gravy, right? So international deal, it's not going it, it, to – selling Raw and SmackDown doesn't cost them all that much more international markets. You know, I, I won't say it doesn't cost them a penny more. I'm sure it costs them a penny more. But it doesn't really cost them because it's already being produced for the domestic marketplace. Mm-hmm. But the UK show will be all new investment. But at the same time, they can finally say, hey, UK, I'm able to get some money out of you when right now it's blood from the it's stone. It's something like we're going to have to talk about all in on the premium show. But uh... – <laughs> it sure is, and yeah. I'm happy about that because I wanted to, I wanted to make sure that we could we could prove we can go that deep on one show without being you know silly. <laughs> well, let's, let's <laughs> like like there's a lot oh, yeah. to say. So, about so let's, this let's talk about this. I, I I listened to the Voice of the Wrestling flagship uh, this week, and Joe Lanza, and 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 I think Rich too to an extent. They they lay out the case about how this is bad for the fans. This the fact that there's going to be more and more revenue coming from TV partners. The fact that you know they don't really have to listen to their fans as much. Um, this sort of subsidizes WWE and subsidizes Vince McMahon's ability, to, allowance to do whatever he wants with the TV. In that, in the end, what it's going to mean to to fans, particularly hardcore fans, and I guess we could we could debate about how much this really matters, right? But it's going to matter. It, it's going to make it so this TV product is going to be just the way it is now. It's going to have all the frustrating aspects to it that it has now, if not more because Vince McMahon can kind of double down and say, hey, look, I'm getting a raise. I'm getting even more money from this. I, I need to listen to you people even less. Um, it also means that Raw is not going to be two hours. It's going to stay at three hours because it's apparently going to stay on the USA Network. And uh, it's going to get to the point, I think Meltzer made this point, that it's going to get to the point where the per Raw you know, a, a given Raw, maybe SmackDown when we find out what that deal is going to be worth, but a, a given Raw is going to be worth, is going to be making them more money than a pay-per-view would. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And when we say pay-per-view, we mean what is the annualized value of one twelfth or one fifteenth of the WWE Network revenue and yeah, I mean, profit. You could like take away some of that and, and attribute some of that value to the other programming, but certainly the most valuable thing yes. monthly on the WWE Network is, is the main roster pay-per-view. 
Yeah. And so it, it's fascinating. And, and again, that it, there is a concern there. I think and, there's – Here's my here's – my on, on a flip side. Like, is this going to – if Vince McMahon stays healthy and he continues to be the head of creative, is this going to just ever more – and we don't know – what new media is going to bring is this going to create an opportunity for somebody else like new japan to to gain even more ground than they would otherwise if if vince just is this is are the chickens finally going to come to roost on this creative being so bad and the star making machine being broken but i mean devil's advocate Mm -hmm. flip it around does football or baseball or hockey or NBA become stagnant because they have guaranteed tv rights and they don't really need to fill every stadium to make their money and yet, wouldn't you argue that those products are still producing captivating things? But those, or scripted television shows that have guaranteed rights for what they're going to earn, and yet they still go out there and say, even when my – I still care about making sure that fans care about what I'm producing because I want to be renewed. Or maybe they already have a big-time money deal, and yet they still care about you know producing a show that's going to make them make – them, artistically satisfied and satisfy their well, like audience. Sports analogy, I don't think that basketball fans or football fans or baseball fans or whoever are as frustrated with, with their product. They may be frustrated with their individual teams for different reasons, but they're not as they're not frustrated. Well, but the XFL, the XFL argument is that they're somehow frustrated by it. They're, it's too long. It's not roughneck enough. There's too much politics the in it. Argument. I think the argument now is, hey, look, there's a huge offseason here and no one's taking sufficient advantage of it. <laughs> there's a big lucrative uh, money-making opportunity and live rights right now are worth a shit ton of money. And if I just and, grab and some of it, I'll be happy. to August where there's, there's no pro football um, or college football for that matter. Um, but I don't sense that, that sports fans are, are dissatisfied in the way that wrestling fans are. And hmm. – yeah, there, there's some some and, truth to that. I just mean, I, I I just mean it's sometimes we we pretend like wrestling should live or die based on whether or not people are are watching it in the ratings, and there's certainly evidence over the last five years here that there is this enormous money making potential in the pro wrestling audience that is left. And that you can monetize that and it's just an argument about whether you do want it to be a niche thing or do you want it to be a general thing. And at the same time, you're very right that right now I I think I, I made the analogy to someone that any other wrestling program out there would be begging from the scraps of what WWE is throwing off their table. You know, can you imagine no one here you couldn't make ten million dollar bid for SmackDown. You'd be laughed out of the room, right? right? But you can imagine Impact, New Japan, any one of those people would kill for a $10 million bid. Because they're getting nothing. Impact is, as far as we know, getting little or nothing from POF, maybe a, a, a share of the revenue on advertisements. And so you know, the, the, the challenge is that US, WWE also to a certain degree, they, they, I do think that they would love to monopolize two networks. And so part of the deal here is that they do want to be on USA, NBCU, and player number two be it fox or who knows who else will come to the table cbs sports well, I, I for all my, we know. my continued point is i think there's like if we're talking tv viewership maybe an extra million people that could be watching raw every week maybe an extra five hundred thousand or seven hundred fifty thousand people who could be subscribed to the network if this company was to put it simply was if the main roster was booked more like nxt um and they created stars and they, they didn't uh, insult the fans intelligence for starters I think 
I think you're right, especially it presupposes, though, that they care about the idea of the premium fan versus the casual fan. Is that and even, is that that's even a challenge? I, I feel at times like that's that's a distracting and confusing analogy that doesn't even properly describe reality at this point. Well, I just mean I feel like WWE now kind of views it as a fan is a fan is sure. a fan when in fact there's value to what I'll call the premium fan. And and so in some ways, if you were to say, hey, my greatest goal in life is to build up the WWE network to be as strong as possible because I will have a direct consumer interaction with my fans and these are the people that care most about what I'm producing and they love wrestling and they love what I am versus I want as much money as I can make and I don't care how I'm doing it and I'll sacrifice WWE network viewership and other things just to get this money today and – you know, substitute it for a corporate relationship. That that's kind of the mindset. There is that to the me. most lucrative mindset, though? I think the most lucrative mindset. I don't uh, know. Vince McMahon can't can't uh, can't deal with it and acknowledge it. I think the most lucrative mindset is do what you're doing, do what you're doing with with TV, and uh, get get your three X rays and and go to Facebook and Amazon and Fox and try to try to get a you know two X rays on SmackDown. But you would also have higher viewership. You would also have higher attendance. You would also have higher W network subscriptions if you didn't insult the fans' intelligence. If you created some stars, I know this is the same thing everybody talks about, but that's I think that's blatantly true, you know, obvious to me. I think it's obvious to anybody that uh, isn't, uh, you know, in, in the uh, just happy to be here mentality. Uh, if anybody who's thinking about this in a I don't know, somewhat objective way. Yeah, and whenever you're objective, you got to do things like you know, look good. And, you know, one thing I always think about is whenever I shower, brush my teeth or try to make my hair look presentable, I, I, uh, I struggle. How do you with deal that with that? Cause I'm, I'm not always, I'm not always the most, uh, a well-groomed, well, well kept uh, after man, but I have a solution yes. for myself and that is dollar oh shave club. And it has a lot of stuff that can help me out. And that's what I, I appreciate is dollar shave club delivers everything I need to look, feel and smell my very best. And that's what's cool is because they have everything I need ready in the bathroom. You're already going to spend the money on those bathroom products. You're already going to go out there and buy this whole host of things. Wouldn't it be better if it just showed up at your door? And that's why I really enjoy all the different things they have. Like uh, Dollar Shave Club has this amber and lavender calming body cleanser. And uh, I am not always someone who's terrific with describing smells, but it smells wonderful. I can't say anything has ever smelled like it. And uh, you'll never find a product like that at your store. And that's why Dollar Shave Club, yes, that Dollar Shave Club delivers everything that you need to look, feel, and smell your best. That's shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, hair gel, even a wipe that will keep your behind feeling tingly clean. Or, or anywhere, and, uh, anywhere. I appreciate that because you can, you can wipe it. Yes, yeah. that is true. I, I, I love the fact that all of Dollar Shave Club's products are made with top shelf ingredients. They won't break your budget and you'll feel the difference and shipping's already included. So when you look at the value that you get from Dollar Shave Club, you're not spending that money on gas. You're not spending that money on, on anything else at that store there except for these top shelf products. And it's so many other products than what you might think even by the name Dollar Shave Club. It's your entire bathroom experience. Brandon, take it home. Uh and there, here's a great way to try a bunch of Dollar Shave Club's products. For just $5, you can get their Daily Essential Starter Set. It comes with Body Cleanser, One Wipe Charlie's, those amazing butt wipes, their world-famous Shave Butter, their Best Razor, the Six Blade Executive, 
because we know lots of executives are listening here to WrestleNomics Radio. You can keep the blades coming for just a few more dollars a month and add in shampoo, toothpaste, and anything else you need for the bathroom. And you can check it all out, dollarshaveclub.com slash W-E. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash W-E, as, as we've reminded the listeners. W-E stands for WrestleNomics Executive. Yes, that's right. So Dollar Shave Club, proud sponsor of WrestleNomics Radio and uh, one of our corporate partners who has been able to keep this show in action and running, and we appreciate them. And and I got to say, I do really like the Dollar Shave Club, uh, that uh, the the body cleanser too, but that shave butter was Hmm. top notch. Goes on clear. Absolutely top notch. Goes on clear, and it, and it, and it, which I appreciate because then you can actually see where you're shaving. And for me, a lot of times it's like you you do want to you know create an intricate design there to uh, make sure that you look. If you're going to be on the indies here, you got to have some That's cool right. looking if you facial shave hair. your sides too. I mean, like, if, are you even an indie wrestler who actually exists? If you don't have your your sides shaved, come on now. <laughs> and if you want to go to zero, so Dollar Shave Club slash we. Um, so uh, just talking about this NBCU deal, uh, big money for them. SmackDown, where does it land? Who, who gets it? You know, Fox, I really see it going to Fox Sports 1. It seems like such a natural thing for you me. You think it's going to be um, on the I don't see it. Into- Network Fox? No. Okay. No. I, I, I think if, if, if Fox really wanted to clear out their schedule to do that, they would have paid the extra money for Raw um, and just got it. And then I don't think SmackDown would be – I mean – it would be an interesting branding exercise because, you know, at that point you would want to turn SmackDown into the A-show basically if you were going to do that. I Instead, I see it as you put it on Fox Sports. It will boost Fox Sports uh, uh, rating a lot. It will help a lot with cross-promotion for other Fox Sports things. And, and be honest, Fox Sports is such a more natural channel for it than USA Network when you think about the other programming that's on it. Well, I mean uh, – like, And number three – You're going to put fake wrestling on a sports network. And in mm-hmm. USA Network is not a sports, but, uh, you know, sports branded network. Yeah, but I mean, they show they show they show soccer, they show other tennis, they show yeah. other yeah, they sports show a lot at of times. They, series they, that uh, a Fox Sports does yeah. not. Yeah, but you know, we're we're blend the the idea of of programming centric channels is 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 becoming more and more obsolete as time goes on. Here, you know, VH1 shows RuPaul's Drag Race. History Channel, you know, it's not about. Of, um, Reality TV shows, yeah, non non historic, yeah, ancient aliens yeah. and whatnot, forged in fire, competent, you know, there's lots of stuff, but um, I I would just say I, it seems like a really natural show for me on that network because also it 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 gives you a little bit of that safety net to say would you really ever consider canceling this channel, um, you carriage provider, care cable network, uh, M- MVPD. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you would risk all these people who wouldn't have access to this very popular television show. And so it, it makes a lot of sense to me for them also to lock up two networks to basically say, hey, Fox, hey, NBCU, you're never going to put any other programming that's like professional wrestling on your channels mm-hmm. unless it's me. And neither of you get to do it. And so in a sense, you're almost paying a a um, a, a monopoly tax, right, is that you can even settle for slightly less money just to lock out your competitors so much more from all these different networks and to have the big two networks there really be like, oh, gosh, can't do business with them. I mean, obviously, Viacom is the other big player here. And so there's always that possibility that, you know, a spike would or the Paramount channel, yeah. I guess it's called now, 
someone like that would would pay big money because hey they've done it in the past they they have a relationship it, it there's some um value and again if you're trying to protect your carriage on your channel it's a great program to throw on there for well, a long-term deal because it's Vince McMahon uh, hinted at once but what about facebook and amazon it's a possibility. I think internationally, it even raises the the ability of you to to view it there. And if you really look at the deals, that's where they've been. Is the the feeling I got from the latest talks here was everything with Facebook is still speculative in the U.S. for a I domestic think still deal. Trying to figure out how much reach do they really have here? How do, how do we best use this and market it and make sure people watch it? Yeah, I think there's everybody's still learning. But I mean, would a Facebook or an Amazon say, I am desperate to get into India and have a big play? And if you can produce for me some localized content where it's going to be in the right languages, maybe a series in India, on cricket is maybe reminded, they, right? Yeah. And that's that's my point is like I could see an international play mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I, I still think the traditional media market is so strong in India and in the UK that it probably still doesn't make sense to them for a long-term series you know it's also the difference between saying hey wwe got this much for raw therefore impact can get this much for their show is what it feels like when you're comparing cricket and wrestling in india is that a lot of people know the difference and they don't want the 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 second tier or third tier program tertiary programming is not the same as what the true appeal is you know either you're buying nfl rights or you're not you know you don't settle for cfl then their, their football feels too long anyway but we've got we've got to go talk about so, all in on the premium show now, right? Yes. Yeah, so uh, patreon.com slash Russellnomics, five dollars a month. You're able to get all our show notes, get all the backlog catalog of all the stuff we've done, and uh, get get stuff. And you know, we never know how long it's going to be a that we're going to record and b that we're going to keep it at such a reasonable price. Uh, I think the more people that sign up at the $5 price, I don't feel the need to monetize those fans by jacking up the price on them. So the, it, as soon as you join, you make it viable for us to have an ecosystem that exists where professional wrestling economics discussion in the form of whatever the hell it is that you and I do is a reasonable thing for us and, to invest our time in. And I, I appreciate sure, that. No matter how good our business partner relationships become, we will always make it a priority to please our audience. And to acknowledge their yes. interests. Yes. And uh, so, yeah, we have a lot to say about All In because last week it was all speculative and now it is all, um, and we're, all we're reality. All in, and so it's been. We? More on that later. We are all in. We'll talk all. <laughs> We'll talk about that. I've been tweeting a little bit about it. This, this has been fun. This has been a good show. Just talking about yeah. a single topic for, for a whole 90 minutes. But it just goes to prove that there is such a. a enormous body you can say about these business decisions we didn't spend this time fantasy booking raw we didn't talk about who should be champion we didn't talk about ronda rousey challenging at money in the bank we didn't talk about any of that stuff we just talked about the economics and the business of the deal and i think it's a great deal it's really interesting i don't even know what that means so this will be fun (laughs) uh wrestlemonic socks someday someday uh brandon any other plugs you're on twitter at brandon thurston um, I'm on Twitter at Mukigana. Someone recapped something you and I said, and they referred to me as CMG. And I was like, why am I CMG? And I finally realized, oh, it's Chris Mukigana. Yeah, it took That's... me a second to figure out, too. <laughs> I was like, I think his middle initial is D. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so CMG. Um, but uh, we are a proud member of the Voices of 
Wrestling Podcasting Network. And of course, we are brought to you by Dollar Shave Club. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash WE. Again, WE stands for WrestleNomics Executive, and you will get the WrestleNomics Executive Deal, which has a host of awesome stuff that you can get. And uh, I think it's it's going to be fun for people who check it out because it's good value stuff and you need it already. So don't forget, you're going to get the body cleanser, the one wipe Charlie's, uh, their shave butter and the best razor, that six blade executive awesome. razor. Russell so good stuff is brought to you by a grant from the Dollar Shave Club and by listeners from the support of listeners like you. Thanks, everybody. Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.